Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It is a great week for boys hockey. I know the tourney's next week, Class A is starting on Wednesday, Double A on Thursday, but section semifinals and section finals this week around the metro and around the state. Uh, 16 teams will be a part of that tournament. We're visiting with the head coach of one of those teams that's already in. That's Matt Funk, head coach of Creighton-Durham Hall. The Raiders took down... St. Thomas Academy at Braemar and Edina last night, the final four to two. And Matt, congrats to you, your your fellow coaches and players on a terrific win. Thanks a lot, Steve. Yeah, and and a fun night. You know, when I got to Braemar at about five o'clock, I was calling the game on NSPN.tv. I wanted to get there early. And uh, signs on the doors, it's like, this game is completely sold out. There are no tickets available at the door. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. Yeah, there, there's a lot of excitement for this game um, with both schools, longtime rivals. The game sold out on Monday um, in about two and a half hours. So it sold out quick. Both the schools hadn't played in hockey in a section game since 1969. So there's a lot of energy in that building last night. That that's what a couple of the guys who were there at five o'clock waiting in line to get into the rink to watch the game uh, were, were telling me, and it, it's almost hard to believe. And they are a familiar fo- foe. You played twice early in the season. Yeah, you know we we play each other every year um, in hockey and a, and a lot of our sports now, um, and we have for a long time. So when I was first heard that stat, I had to double check it at school that that was really the case, but it had been that long. Wow, it, it, that is a long time. I, I, it's so long ago, I was a little kid back in 1969. Uh, Matt Funk, head coach at Creighton Durham Hall, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. About the game last night and the section final, you've been through this before. Creighton Durham Hall made it through to the state tournament a year ago. Uh, there's nothing like the pressure of that section final, is there? There, there really isn't, and and you know, it, it takes on a, a special meaning, too, when it's, it's a rival like that. So, um, you know, you can hardly contain your energy all day in school, and it just the emotions kept building, building throughout the day, and that's the one thing we talked about in the locker room before we went out there is we got to keep our emotions under control, play within ourselves, and, and play the game fast like we like to do. And what a great first period. Max Anderson gets it started on the power play, and then Jake Fisher, two goals, uh, to close out that period, just a dominant effort in period number one. Yeah, the um, you know that first group really leads the way for us, and, and uh, yesterday was a pretty special um, game for those three guys. You know, with two seniors and a freshman, with Attila Lapai and and, and uh, Jake Fisher and Max Anderson. They, they they got us going. We started with that first power play goal, and then um, all lines really. Um, had an effort um, that we hadn't seen like that, a first period like that in all year long. Yeah, and it, it, it's been a, a year where 
you know, on the ice, you've, you've certainly had your ups and downs. I've had a chance to call some games on NSPN and see your team play over at Highland, but boy, you sure brought it in the first period and then weathered a storm because uh, the cadets got a goal in period number two and then got that first goal in the third, and all of a sudden it's a 3-2 game. Yeah, and this group um, is led by a really confident group of seniors, and uh, we've in their early years, we've let a few of those go where we've had leads against St. Thomas and, and uh, blew it in the third. Um, so we knew exactly what we, we needed to do. We knew they were going to give that push. Even after that first period, the message was clear. They're going to – this isn't this isn't as far from over. They're going to give a big push. They're well coached. They're a disciplined hockey team. And so, so we knew we had to, to stay on them and stay on our toes. Matt Funk joining us, head coach Creighton Durham Hall. They win Section Three AA and uh, in front of a full house over at Braemar, four to two over St. Thomas Academy. Speaking of coaching, Mike Randolph, what a run at Duluth East. Now uh, the head man for the Cadets. It, it it had to be interesting to kind of look over at the other bench and there there there's a really kind of a living legend of high school boys hockey coaching. It is it is pretty crazy to see. You know, a, a, a northern hockey and, and high school hockey legend to be on the bench um, for a metro school. Yeah. Um, and uh, but you know, I have all the respect for Mike and and the way he runs his program. Um, and uh, we knew. I mean, it's just like a lot of things in those in those section final games, like you said earlier, you just gotta put all that aside and, and let the players play. And uh, a good goaltending effort as well. Leo Miller did a really nice job in in a tough circumstance. And, you know, it goes without saying at any level, you know, Mites all the way to the NHL, you got to get goaltending. Yep. he's Leo's in a zone right now. Um, he um, got injured right after Christmas, and, and he missed some time. And, um, you know, he came back right towards the end of the season and, and has been in the net ever since. And, uh He's a calming presence back there. He, he plays the game simple, um, and when he's on, um, he's a, a really outstanding goaltender. You know, and when when the game was over and and we signed off after uh, the the section championship trophy and medals were handed out, um, it, it, it's not lost. You know, as a spectator or a broadcaster, you know the pure joy your team's feeling, and on the other side of the ice, you know the finale or the finality for for the cadets, and you know you've been on that side of it as well, and you know that that is super tough. You know, losing in that section final, it that that you, you got to feel for those kids. You do, and um, I think that's what's really special about this rivalry too. Is is um, these guys are, are bitter, bitter rivals on the rink, um, and, and probably those four years in high school. But these these kids are lifelong friends. It's just the way these we we these kids grow up together. They go to the same schools together, and they go their separate ways for high school, and they end up being back together. So when you see that those kids, you, you feel for them. And having been there, it's going to hurt for a while. Um, but it, it'll make those underclassmen hungrier coming back next year. Matt Funk, Creighton Durham Hall head coach. Uh, the Raiders are through. Edina got a win last night. I'm keeping an eye on some of the section finals tonight up in Duluth. A quick scoreboard update. Andover now leading Duluth. East 4-1, to one, so it looks like the defending champ Huskies are going to get it done up at Amsoil. And 
we'll, before we say goodbye, we'll have another full scoreboard. But, you know, uh, punching your ticket and getting to the tournament, now it's kind of like, okay, that's in the rearview mirror, and now the prep begins for, for the real fun starting in a week. Yeah, you know, we and we have that recency bias. You talk about um, last the that last game and losing, and, and uh, we made it there last year, and uh, it didn't go great for us. Um, and that's uh, probably the, one of the biggest un- understatements ever um, on the big stage. And so these guys are hungry, and, and we know what it's going to take because uh, we learned our lesson last year. So last year was really our first time in, in a long time that we got there, and so there was a lot of extras, we'll call it, that we did um, in preparation week. And so this week is going to be all business as usual. School is normal, and uh, – do our practice plans as, as we normally do because we want to be ready to go um, when the puck drops at the X. Yeah, and, and Matt, it, it goes without saying uh, a, a great result this year, but it has been uh, a tough season for your team, uh, for for the school because you know a, a, a member of your team w- was lost uh, around the holidays, and and that makes this even I'm sure more emotional for everyone to get to this point and get back to the state tournament, considering the loss you, your community suffered earlier. Yeah. Cormac Scanlon, a sophomore on our JV and younger brother of um, our senior winger, Colin Scanlon um, passed away on the day after Christmas. And, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot within our program about the Raider family and uh, this really hit our our family hard, obviously. And uh, it's been tremendous to see our entire community, the entire hockey community in Minnesota and beyond rally around that moment. Um, But then just to see our guys come together around Colin and the entire Scanlon family and really play, play with a purpose and play for something um, that's bigger than the game. And uh, you saw the emotion after the game last night, you know, when it finally hit Colin again, um, that one of his biggest moments of his his life and athletic life, um, he wasn't going to have his little brother there with him. And, and uh, you know, all you do is is you keep those guys, you, you, you hug them tight, and, uh, you know, there's not much you can say except you love them, and, and uh, you know, you hope that uh, each day gets better and better. Yeah, and throughout the season and, and in the games I did over at Highland, there there would be uh, a moment of silence after the game, and, and both teams would gather at center ice. So, you know, the, the, this emotion has, has carried through the season, and, and rightfully so. I, I noticed that Monday night I was doing a boys' basketball game uh, over at Creighton-Durham Hall. Uh, White Bear Lake was in, and, and there's still um, – some signs up in the gymnasium. I noticed, I noticed one near the office, uh, pray for Cormac. And so it, 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 it's still obviously having a tremendous impact. You, you know, it, it really is. And, and we have a couple banners hanging um, in the gym. We have one in the gym and one in the, in the front hallway um, too, as he come, his number was number 17. Yep. And it's really become a special number, obviously for us. And, you know, it's not lost on us that our, the period length of the period is 17 minutes. And so we, we talk about that, you know, and that's the one thing we said going into that third period, you know, we've got 17 more. It's our biggest goal um, 
our first big goal is, is accomplish. So let's go do it. Let's do it for Cormac. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still kind of unex for us. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Um, for the boys, it doesn't make sense. Um, but they're really, it, it's created a, a, a closer bond. And, and like I said earlier, a sense of purpose. Yeah. Well, uh, quite a moment last night at Braemar Creighton Durham hall, uh, getting it done, beating St. Thomas Academy four to two onto the state tournament. Uh, Matt, once again, uh, fun to cover your team uh, this year, and it, it was great to be at Braemar last night. That was a fun moment. Yeah, it really was, and we're hoping to have a, a few more of those fun moments um, in the next week. All right. Well, Matt, good to visit with you. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you, Steve. All right, there he is, Matt Funk, head coach, A.D., Creighton-Durham Hall. They are the Section 3 AA champions. And uh, keeping an eye on that game, now Andover up 5-1 to one over Duluth East. One minute to go in period number two. So it looks like the defending champs are headed back uh, to St. Paul, barring a collapse. How about the defending state runner-ups in Section 5 AA? Maple Grove all over Rogers. 4-1, to one, that game being played in Elk River. Minnetonka, Chanhassen still scoreless. Uh, we'll, we'll have another rundown of those scores a little bit later on here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. The Lake Show, Steve in for Henry. You normally hear me on Saturdays here at News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. Usually between 2 and 6, sports schedules permitting. This Saturday... I'll be on for Shaletta between 11 and noon. Twins game at noon. We'll have Grapefruit League action. And then I'll, I'll be on following the game on Saturday afternoon. Henry was in earlier for Chad Hartman between noon and 3. Highlights of the show available online, WCCRadio.com. Take advantage of the free Odyssey app. Well, the Vikings are being honored by the NFL's Players Association. Uh for working conditions. And, and at first you're kind of like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let, let's face it. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings have an unbelievable facility out at TCO Performance Center. And Andrew Kramer did a piece in the Star Tribune about it. But uh, that, that that's pretty cool. And it, it, it's a violent game. It's a tough game. But um, the Vikings apparently received an A in every category, ranging from treatment of families to nutrition, travel, the conditions of the locker room, weight room, and training rooms. Uh, the lowest grade was A- in nutrition for players. Uh, uh, apparently the, the, the donuts weren't fresh every day. I'm kidding. Um, that, that That's pretty cool. And... Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I've been out there, and it's unbelievable. I mean, Winter Park and Eden Prairie, you know, served its purpose. But when when I finally got a look at TCO Performance Center, the indoor facility, the little stadium, the practice facilities, and then all the other amenities in the building, it's like wow. Yeah, this is top notch. And you, you think about when the Wilfs took over, one thing that they did is they didn't skimp. And, and I mean, 
we know what the reputation of the ownership in Red McCombs was before. Well, they yeah. were cheap. Yeah. He, the, the rumor was when he took over, and, and now uh, Red McCombs has passed away, mm-hmm. may rest in peace. But but the rumor was is that when old Red took over, that he wouldn't even give him money to fix the air conditioning in the building, that the carpet was threadbare. I mean, that, that the place had seen better days. Yeah, it it was a it was something to make money. It it was an investment for him. Yeah. That that's what it was. The Wilfs have come in and you know, upgraded everything. And and I mean they moved the, they moved the entire franchise's operations from Eden Prairie to Egan. And I, I know that you know we can look at this and say, you know, okay, the Vikings are number one. Ha ha ha. We're number one. We're number one. But to me, I'm thinking about it. Think about how much weight. Steve, that this could hold with incoming free agents, like people who want to sign with the Vikings. I mean, these are coming from players. This is not coming from fans or media or some, you know, survey that that doesn't have any juice. I mean, these are coming from players, from individuals within the National Football League saying that the Minnesota Vikings and how they treat their players and everything about the organization at every facet – is the best in the NFL. So if, if you're deciding between the Twins, or not the Twins, I'm sorry, the uh, the Vikings and, say, the the Cardinals, or, yeah, I know the Commanders are awful, but, I mean, that's Daniel Snyder. That's a whole other deal. It puts the Vikings in a much better spot in terms of leverage to say it's essentially a focus group that has approved everything. And that's, to me, that's monstrous. I mean, that could be the tipping point for players in the future. It, it is a big deal, and the one thing you can say about the Wilfs is their commitment. Now, you could argue TCO Performance Center was part of a bigger land deal, that there there's a hotel out there, and there's other development going on. That's what they do, but the facility itself, to put the team in the best position to be competitive, they, they've... They, they've put the tools out there, so to speak. Yes, they, they have. They've made that investment. Now, the surrounding uh, development, et cetera, well, that, that's what they do for a living. And, and I think when you know they, they went to the wall and got a deal done in partnership with the taxpayers, can't forget about the taxpayers, mm-hmm. that, that built U.S. Bank Stadium. I have a couple of beefs with it. I, I think it's still a little too much form over function in some areas of that building that that bother me that they 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 could have done some things differently that some of the corridors aren't any wider or any better than the metrodome uh but with that said there has been that commitment and that's one thing you can say they've been willing to spend they they have been willing to do what it takes to put a winner on the field they are holding up their end of the bar. And that's what you want to see as a fan. That's, that's what you want to see as a player. Like yep. You don't want to go to an organization. And I mean, I, I, when I was reading the articles, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals, they locked up the cafeteria when players had to come in and do some work on their day off. Like the cafeteria nutrition was not even available to the players. And, I mean, this just goes into the, the whole reputation about the Bengals, right? I mean, you hear these stories about, you know, players had to bring in their own towels and, and, and just yeah. all these ridiculous things. And the Vikings are showing that they're willing to spend the money and put the resources there 
to make it a good environment for players. And, you know, we can bitch and moan about it all we want as fans. It's too much money. The fact is it's an investment for them, and they're making money. We've got it as entertainment. And if this is what's going to benefit their business, then fine. I'm I'm all for it. And if it helps the franchise get better, you know, as a fan, even better on my end. Yeah, when I've been out to TCO Performance Center, I've been – blown away i mean that stadium and it what was it the aurora that played there the the women's soccer club yeah played it, there. yeah i think it, yeah um, i think it was they the have aurora. High school yeah. games out there i mean it, it's an absolute gem i mean the the little stadium on the site for me is worth the price of admission let alone all the other facilities and amenities a lot of fans don't get that peek behind the curtain. It's a good little area down there. It, it really oh, is. Oh, yeah. And it, 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 it's it, is, it, it is kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I do understand you know, where they do want to develop. But, again, yeah, that's their thing. If, you know, if the Wilfs want to develop around there, fine. It's the same thing they wanted to do around U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, that's right. I mean, you, you put it there. You had the infrastructure. But there can be a lot of stuff you can do around there if, if that's what you want to do and that's your – vision then make it happen I, I i don't care good news for the it's just nice to have something off the field be positive about this franchise yeah and there, there's still a lot of work to be done uh here in the off season uh, free agency the draft uh they, they have a new defensive coordinator uh he doesn't play um oh so, he doesn't so that they, oh, yeah well they've they've, they've got work to do on the defensive side of the ball, I, I've heard anyway. Uh, but but this is this is a feel good story, and uh, once again, great job. And Andrew Kramer uh, put it together in the Star Tribune online at startribune.com. And Andrew Kramer has been generous with his time. He's been willing to join me at times during the NFL season. We might have to get him back at some point here in the off season. Uh, ho- hopefully, I haven't burned any bridges there. Oh, it flame is, on, flame on. Yeah. 831 here at News Talk, 830 WCCO. Still much more to come here on the Lake Show. Steve in for Henry. And we're going to shift gears a little bit. Good friend of mine, Stephen Clark, space flight now based at Kennedy Space Center. There was a big launch uh, while most of us were sleeping. Uh, three astronauts and a cosmonaut uh left Earth and are headed for the International Space Station, and we'll get an update from Stephen on all of that excitement in a moment here on News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. Stephen, for Henry tonight, Henry worked earlier in the day, noon to three, highlights online at WCCORadio.com or the free Odyssey app. Chris Tubbs is our producer, pleased to be joined by Stephen Clark, SpaceFlightNow.com, based at Kennedy Space Center, and Stephen, it's been a very busy place so far here in 2023, and there's nothing like the excitement of a crude launch, and we saw that. Uh, I, I went to bed. I feel bad. First thing I did this morning was get up and watch the replay, but nevertheless, SpaceX and that Dragon capsule sent three astronauts and a cosmonaut into orbit. Yeah, it's been a busy start to the year. SpaceX has been cranking out launches at a pace of about one every four days so far uh, in 2023. And this was their first crew launch of the year, uh, their ninth uh, human spaceflight launch overall. And uh, 
they're getting into a rhythm with these missions. I, I was able to ask the NASA program manager who oversees uh, the contract that they have with SpaceX, and he, he said they're, they're, it doesn't quite feel routine when you put people into space yet, but they are. Feel, he does feel like they're getting into a rhythm. And this mission that launched uh, in the wee hours of this morning, uh, just after midnight local here in Florida, is carrying uh, two NASA astronauts, two Americans, uh, one astronaut from the United Arab Emirates and a Russian cosmonaut up to the International Space Station. They'll be performing experiments and maintenance for the next six months and replacing another crew that has been up there since October and will be coming back to Earth on another SpaceX capsule in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, and uh, Stephen, take us through, because I, I watched the replay, read the story, I just couldn't stay up that late to watch and and this launch had been delayed there, there was a technical problem uh very late in the countdown earlier in the week yes yes they tried to launch this mission monday morning uh so three days uh it was a three-day delay and the issue monday morning is there is an ignition fluid that they used to actually light the main engines on the bottom of the falcon 9 rocket and this fluid is known as, I'll just give you the acronym, it's PTEB is what it's known as. And it's a fluid that actually goes into the engines and it's, a, it's called, uh, uh, it's a fluid that actually ignites upon contact with air. The chemical ignites upon contact with air without having to have a spark. And the ignition of this fluid actually lights the engines on the Falcon 9 rocket, sort of like the spark plug for the rocket, essentially. And uh, they couldn't confirm during the countdown Monday morning whether the supply of this ignition fluid getting to the rocket was sufficient. It seemed like they were getting a low flow. And sure enough, they scrubbed the launch and they went into the system and inspected it. And they had a clogged filter, uh, like a clogged, oil, uh, like you might have in a car, a clogged oil filter. Wow. In this t- in this case, it was the filter for this ignition fluid. And they swapped it out. No problem this morning when they launched uh, at 1234 a.m. And then uh, anything else stand out from the launch? Because I know, especially when there's humans on board, it's closely scrutinized. Uh, did the rocket, uh, the, the the nine engines on the first stage, and then ultimately that uh, second stage of the rocket that ultimately pushes the capsule into, a, into its final orbit, did that all perform uh, normally? Yes, yes. From from all accounts, it was a, a picture perfect launch. The the first stage performed uh, as expected. So the first stage is actually the booster that gets the capsule out of the atmosphere, and it fires for about two and a half minutes, and it uh, made its way to a landing after separating from the upper part of the rocket. The booster stage landed back on the ship in the Atlantic Ocean for recovery and reuse, and then the upper stage does most of the job with its single engine of actually accelerating the spacecraft to a velocity of about 17,000 miles per hour. That's uh, the velocity that they need to get to, to in order to catch up to the International Space Station. And that performed well as well. as what Everything worked perfectly. And, in fact, the crew is on track for docking at the International Space Station in about three hours from now, and they'll begin their six-month expedition. Yeah, and what's interesting is there there are launch windows that – you know, go over uh, even potentially a period of hours. But but in this case, it was an instantaneous launch window, which means they need to launch at that moment because of what's necessary to catch up 
to the International Space Station. So the, there there are these various windows that open, and they've got to hit that window. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people ask, you know, why in the world are they launching at 1234 a.m.? Sure. Or why would they launch at 5 a.m. or something? And it all is based on basically physics. And if the mission is going to the International Space Station, they have to launch at the precise moment of when the orbital path of the space station is directly over the launch pad. And if you um, may get nerdy here a little bit, but the space station is orbiting, is circling the Earth every 90 minutes at about uh, 250 miles above the Earth. And the Earth is actually rotating underneath the orbit of the space station. The, The orbit of the space station in space is kind of fixed. The Earth is rotating under it. So every 23 and a half hours or so, not quite 24 hours, uh, the orbit of the space station directly is on top of the Kennedy Space Center. And that's when they have an opportunity to launch. And every day, if they delay the mission, if if it scrubs, the opportunity gets about 20 to 25 minutes earlier each day. So it depends on the time of year when you launch, whether it's going to be a 2 p.m. or a 2 a.m. launch. And the window is very narrow, just um, a matter of seconds. Uh, so that goes off without a hitch, but there's still a lot going on because there there is this cadence of SpaceX doing these unmanned missions or uncrewed missions where they're launching uh, satellites, particularly building their Starlink network, and uh, th- those have been going at a very rapid pace so far this year. Yeah, that's the lion's share of what SpaceX is launching, is launching their satellites for the Starlink Internet Network. Uh, just this week, earlier in the week, there was a launch from here in Florida carrying uh, some Starlink satellites. In fact, a new model of Starlink satellite that is going to bring higher, uh, better Internet coverage to their customers. And then tomorrow, there's another launch from from California. Uh, SpaceX launching another batch of Starlink satellites. So it's, you know, it launches multiple times per week, and this this week there are three launches between the two Starlink missions and the crew mission, and there's no sign of this uh, cadence slowing down. SpaceX has launched 14 times so far this year. They're on pace for about 90 missions if they keep that pace. They went into the year hoping for 100. Uh, they may still reach 100, uh, but if they don't get 100, they'll certainly be close. Stephen Clark joining us from SpaceFlightNow.com and joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Um, We've brought this up from time to time. Uh, I'm still keeping an eye on Texas and the uh, Starship base down there built by SpaceX. It is now early March. Uh, Any news, any rumors floating about that uh, we'll, we'll see an orbital launch of that gigantic rocket anytime soon. I, I think the things are uh, getting close to being the SpaceX being ready for that launch in potentially a matter of weeks. And uh, just uh, about a week ago, they were still saying uh, they're going to they're aiming to launch this Starship, a rocket, this 400 foot tall rocket, the tallest, biggest rocket ever built. Uh, in, Mar- in the month of March, and uh, I haven't heard anything that would preclude that at this point. Uh, I'm not convinced that they'll get to the point where they're going to launch in March, but, you know, we've been talking uh, in our previous chats, you know, seems like it's, you know, maybe a few months away, but I think now it seems like maybe it's a few weeks away. And th- this is another level 
of what we've seen. There, there was the large Artemis One rocket that was launched, part of the uh, space launch system program, if you will, and that was a gigantic rocket. Looked familiar because it it had some parts from the space shuttle era, but this is a completely different beast. They're they're building down in Texas for sure. Yeah, it's it's a total clean sheet design. Uh, you know, it's designed from the ground up to be fully reusable and then that will inherently make it less expensive to fly and to launch than the artemis space launch system that nasa has developed um and it's more powerful as well has uh, a heavier lift capability it can carry more payload into orbit uh it can also uh like i said land the the booster and the upper part of the upper stage of the rocket can both be reused and uh, i think the Writing is on the wall eventually that the Artemis moon rocket is going to be phased out eventually. Um, the the only the only mark against the SpaceX rocket that I can think of right now is it does for missions going to deep space like the moon or Mars. They SpaceX will have to develop an in orbit refueling capability, which they haven't demonstrated yet, uh, and that that development is in a large manner still ahead of SpaceX. Uh, but in terms of getting things to and from low Earth orbit, if the Starship is successful and it flies uh, and even meets some of the uh, success criteria and objectives that Elon Musk and SpaceX have laid out, I think it will be um, a game changer, a revolutionary aspect in the launch industry. Yeah, and uh, for, for example, the fuel, and, and a final thought on that, it's fascinating to read about the, the fuel being used. Right now, SpaceX, in, in their Falcon 9 rocket that launched uh, the three astronauts and a cosmonaut uh, in the wee hours of the morning, and they're, they're getting ready to dock with the International Space Station, it's basically kerosene and liquid oxygen. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it's much like the kerosene burned on commercial jetliners, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a highly... souped-up version, but yeah. Yeah, they they just refine some. They refine it more and take out more of the impurities in order to you know make it work in the high pressure, high temperature environment of, of a rocket engine. But it's it's much the same. Yeah, and the, this rocket though would be methane, and that that's not only readily available, but beyond that, could potentially in the future be synthesized on Mars. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. It's it's methane or liquefied natural gas, to, and it's um, in the same mixture with liquid oxygen that's used on the Falcon 9 rocket. Uh, and you're exactly right. Uh, one of the big uh, selling points of methane, there's a couple of them. One of them is that it's it leaves less um, contamination or pollutants in the engines, so it makes the engines easier to refurbish and reuse between missions uh, compared to kerosene. Uh, for kerosene rocket engines, they have to do a, a purge and cleaning of all those engine lines between each flight, so it doesn't make it possible to turn around a, a rocket engine and launch it again the same day, uh, in many cases, with a, with a kerosene engine. Um, and also the methane, like you said, is readily available, and it can be created and generated uh, on Mars by tapping into the resources on uh, other planets and you know, you use carbon and hydrogen to create methane, CH4. It's, uh, it's something that can be done. It is scientifically feasible uh, to do on other planets. Yeah, and uh, makes travel there and then ultimately travel home 
uh, a little bit easier to imagine. Well, Stephen, good to visit exactly. with you. I know you've been very busy this week and with, with all the launches. Uh, appreciate your work. Uh, check in on the website all the time. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to next yeah. time. All right, there he is, Stephen Clark, spaceflightnow.com. He is based at Kennedy Space Center. Cool stuff. We'll come back, uh, get into the headlines, put a wrap on it. It is the Lake Show. Stephen for Henry, Chris Tubbs alongside here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Top story of the day, Lindsey Whalen, local sports legend, no longer uh, the women's basketball coach at the University of Minnesota. Mark Coyle met the media today. Uh, Lindsey Whalen. Uh, we'll sit down with the media at uh, a later point in time. Five years at the helm, she will be a special assistant at the U. But it, it goes without saying, you know, a local sports legend. And it's a shame it didn't work out. I, I don't know if there's any other way. Uh, certainly it, it didn't turn out the way she had hoped or had anyone had hoped for the program. And it's a challenging landscape in college sports, so difficult times there. Seven double A boys hockey Andover rolling over Duluth East seven two in the third period. How about this? Two double A championship game at uh, at Braemar. This is Minnetonka and Chanhassen one one in overtime. 1-1 in OT. Uh, the winner goes to state, and the loser of that game, done for the season. Oh, the, the drama. 8-double-A championship game. Moorhead leading Rozo 6-1. The Spuds on their way to state. Maple Grove leading Rogers 4-3 in the third. 5-double-A championship game. Uh, Rogers, the number one seed in that one. Maple Grove, the defending runner-up been fun. Big thanks to Chris Tubbs, all our guests joining us on the program. I'm Steve Thompson. It's always an honor to be a part of the proceedings here on News Talk. E3O WCCO.